hidden behind closed doors. This is Beer and Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. Michael, what are we watching today? Today we're going to talk about Black Christmas, Bob Clark's 1974 slasher. What are we drinking? Today we're being sponsored by Broken Timbers, and we're drinking their smoke porter with tart cherries called The Caretaker. 6.2%. Cheers. Cheers. How do you like it? Yeah, I, I like it. And I, and I was telling you... As it warms as it warms a little bit, I'm getting more of the cherry, yeah. the tart. I dig it. There was a candy I had to look up. It's in the pink wrapper. It's called Christmas Big Cherry. Because I couldn't remember the name, so I looked it up. That's the smell I get. And it's a cherry chocolate candy. I, I'm not familiar with that. And I, you know, I grew up at a time when there was a lot of those old timey candies yeah. around. <laughs> and I haven't this is had good. It. Yeah, this is nice. It's the smoke. It's the porter. You get a little of the sweet. You get a little of the roast from the porter. You get the smoke. And then you get that tartness. It's a great combination. Yeah. Another from my uh, Anaheim run when Jade and I went down to an overnight. It was just Googling. I mean, there's, there's ones we know. The brewery, Bottle Logic. There's there's some breweries down there, you know. And I want. I was like, what else? What don't I know? There's tons of stuff I don't know. Broken Timbers is one of them. Never heard of it. Talked to my beer geek friends who were dialed in. They hadn't heard of it. So Jane and I went. Nicest people. They were so nice. Cool little spot. Um, La Palma is not far. Like, the street is not far from where I grew up. Really? Yeah. It's really close. I'll tell you what. Where you grew up has a great beer scene right now. Interesting. It's, it's very cool. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, they were great. And we tried, tried a bunch of different beers. And then I'm just trying to think of, like, something, you know. Christmassy. Festive. Just, I mean, just something different. You know? And we did a smoke beer. We did the Schlinkerla, uh for, And that, that was, like, that we did that for Arson Incorporated. Yes. Like. Which, I love that beer. I mean, I'm a huge fan of that beer. Um, and what's funny is I... At the time, I talked about I would cook with the Schlenkerla, like some peppers and onions. On this, they they say they actually say this is great for sipping and drinking, or you can reduce it and make a great sauce, which I, I could totally yeah, see. Absolutely, yeah. So this is good. Thank you, guys. Broken timbers. This in no way has the Schlenkerla when you open that. Bottle. It's intense. No, it's, it's, it's there's it's, a campfire that comes it's, out of it's it. It's waking <laughs> up in the tent the next morning after you were sitting by the campfire all night. That's Shankarla. Yeah. This one's a little the more mellow. It's mellow, but it's the smoky. It has cherry. It's it's and I like that tart. Taste. The yeah. tart's really starting to the come through. The very end, yeah, absolutely. A uh, lot of fun. So this is my pick. Black Christmas. Tell Bob me about Clark. It. Bob Clark did <laughs> Mister Christmas, as I like to say. Well, yeah. he all he did. Uh, Children shouldn't play with dead I things. Know. We covered, yeah, yeah, with uh, Alan um, or- Ormsby. Ormsby. Just yeah. the great pants. Yeah. I always want those pants. Um, so, yeah. And this was, like, people often... We, we sort of talked about this during our Slasher episode. And Halloween gets a lot of credit as the first modern Slasher. But it sort of was inspired by this. Like, the sequel. Like, what would the sequel look like, apparently, yeah. is where Halloween came from. Because this is straight-up Slasher. The modern Slasher. And... Um, it's terrifying. Yeah. This movie really freaks me out. Yeah. It, it's 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 done really well, really really well. The acting is great. He captures cold on screen better than any other movie I've ever seen. From the opening shot, the between the foley, the sound of the wind, the look, the feel, whatever film stock he uses, it brings cold to you. No matter where you are, you feel that cold of that. Canadian winner. Which is great because um, if you read some notes about it, it was at the end. And they had to like try to maintain as much snow as possible, even bringing in um, trucks to blow foam. Um, so there's not a like they try to like let's not walk a lot on the snow that we have like it was at the end when they were filming but you're right it feels cold watching this movie and I'm not from a cold climate but like the, it feels Christmas you want to bundle up and oh. you know, sit down and you it, know. it takes me back like seriously when when you're going you're going oh we're going to someone's place or we're going to, you know we used to go to grandma's farm 
and where you're going somewhere and you go out it's dark and you're bundled up and you walk out and it's cold you get in a cold car and everything and you're you're going somewhere usually to drink <laughs> which there's a lot of drinking in this film yeah uh, it's so good that we're beer and b movies exactly because we we could be cocktails or sherry and b movies and we'd just be slurring by the end of this one and this i always think it's about a celebration of alcoholism unlike Many movies. You know? <laughs> it's like the most... Un- if you look at the content that's being discussed throughout this whole movie, and the, it's like the most un-Christmas Christmas movie, but it takes place during a Christmas line. Even the opening credit with how they write Black Christmas in that, in that gothic font, I'm like, oh, that looks so Christmas, and the lights on the house in the opening scene. But I think of this as like Bob Clark's duology, because you could watch this, it came out in 74... And then you can watch the Christmas story that came up in 1983 that he did. You're like, this is this is his two versions of Christmas. Which honestly is another movie that captures that cold yeah. of that air of the area and growing up in that where you go, this guy has this like that guy grew up, that guy knows what it's like to grow up in that space of where it's cold. And it's funny that Bob Clark from Florida and America. Uh, I'm sorry. An American. <laughs> and yet, he's known for all the Canadian films that he made. Taking advantage of that Canadian, uh, can, Canadian tax <laughs> credit <laughs> that we've talked about before. <laughs> you know, yep. you can teach a course on that. So this is, like you said, we discussed this during our slasher movie. I think we both enjoyed it. Um, this, is, and, I, and you see Bob Clark's elements were... There is a layer of humor in here because this could be like, I don't think there's a lot of funny bits in Halloween. The next like big, like what you consider like the, the watermark for slasher movies. This, there is some funny things that it, it brings me a chuckle. <laughs> no. And I'm surprised I laughed at same And he, he intentionally made them funny because he thought like, oh, I need to be a, a little, some, some levity to what's going on. This, this is a grim movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there's stuff that, there's prank calling. And growing up, we did a lot of prank calling, you know, and we would try to be creative Prince with it. Albert in the can. Just dumb, <laughs> you know, like going through the want ads. Yeah. And, and we would call somebody who's selling a car and we'd say, you know, I can, I got a weird job. Can you meet, can you meet me at 4 a.m.? <laughs> you know, that kind of dumb thing. No, the, the prank caller in this, he's, 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 he's a crazy person. Yeah. He's an insane serial killer. I think we're going to call him. Billy. Billy, yeah, but, Billy is the name he keeps talking, and he yeah. speaks in the third. He speaks in different voices. There's yeah. some schizophrenia. I got to be honest, it was and it was the slasher time for that episode. When I rewatched this movie for the first time in a long time, for some reason I kept thinking, I thought that they there was a description like we know like who this person was, and I went, um, I must be thinking of another movie because yeah. we never find out. But this person is batshit crazy. So the two, so they made they they remade this. Twice, mm-hmm. once in two thousand six, and then once again in um, twenty nineteen. Uh, Bloomhouse remade it. I think the Bloomhouse one actually don't, has like Carrie Yules in it. And don't they change it? Where, oh, they change it, and they give the complete backstory of Billy. And okay, may, maybe that because I haven't seen them, but, but may, maybe one, that was it. He is a faceless killer you know nothing the, about. The only thing you see is shadow. Yeah. Which there is some there is some wonderful cinematography yeah. in this, and his use of shadow is downright just spine tingling but then you just see the eye yeah <laughs> the eye through the crack in the door as he's just gibbering yeah. that's i always think it's gibbering it is because <laughs> the first time like the first couple times watching this i didn't understand what he's saying it's just mad gibbering and then i watched this one last time before our discussion and i turned on the the subtitles and it is nasty. I'm, I'm, like it is we can't. Com- we like, can't. We're not going to say it. We're not going to say what he says. And I'm like, oh, that's what he's saying yeah. this whole time. <laughs> and, and it's only because we try to be as family yeah. friendly as possible. Yeah. But no, let me tell you. This, okay, this is not a movie for kids. No. I mean, well, I don't have kids, but if I did, I'd be like, go ahead and watch it. You, yeah. you'll learn sooner or later. Yeah. But no, this is it's it's brutal. It's grim. It's scary. You know, and 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 at the end. They try to throw this bad red herring at you, and the guy, spoiler alert, (laughs) but no, there's an innocent guy who gets wrongly accused, and he gets killed for his troubles. Yeah. Also, I think you made a great point. What's like the major plot point, other other than a crazy serial killer in the attic, 
What what is the major storyline in this movie? It, it's about abortion, and, and I, I'm amazed that in '74 they're having a movie about that. And a lot of times, your first couple of viewings, you know, you're Roe not... v. Wade was what '72 or '73. Yeah, and, and, so, and I don't want to get into no, a whole no, political no. discussion, but, but it is the topic. But when you think about a Christmas movie, in this movie you have a killer of a sorority, you have abortion plot line, you have an alcoholic dorm mother. I mean, we're talking. You know, degenerate alcoholic, where she's hiding alcohol throughout the house. But it, to me, it's done in such a caricaturous way. And, yeah. and apparently, she's he, a funny part. <laughs> he based that character on an aunt that he had. Which, <laughs> That's a funny aunt. <laughs> I, I mean, I would be flattered when, when you but hide. No, she is such a caricature yeah. of that that because she has she she hide, she cut the inside of a book out to hide something, and it's B, and she's going through like a library, and yeah. she goes B for booze, and pulls out. And they cut out where she has a sherry, and it is sherry. So it's the that and type sherry of wine. drink just is not fortified a fortified wine. Good lord! <laughs> and she hides it in the back of a toilet um, when she's brushing her teeth. Like that's you know I, I use Listerine or Plax, and I guess that has alcohol in it. She's using sherry as her uh, after uh, after teeth. Well, you also <laughs> spit it out. Yeah, she's not spitting it out. And then like you have the the like it's not seen, but. You, you hear about it, the the kickoff of the serial killer, he kills a 13-year-old girl. Like, there's just dark moments, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is really un-Christmas. And even the character herself, the sorority sister, like, we have some great actors and actresses. Some of them have had a tough time since the movie. Margot Kidder, we know as Lois Lane. She plays... Um, Barb. Barb, and she is a raving... Like, she is the kid who goes off to college and is like, I'm just going to get drunk. I have no parents watching me and well, her language to young kids and her boyfriend's language is really acceptable well and when we meet her she's supposed to be going off with her mom skiing and her mom calls and says you know it cancels and at one point she's she says you're a real gold-plated whore mother she, her her <laughs> language, child of privilege yeah you know? exactly because she even says at one point they're talking about townies yeah and she goes you can't rape a, a townie a just horrible oh thing. hey oh. whoa it's like i saw breaking away but the, <laughs> but the thing is is she is she's like this tough brassy yeah. drunk you know i don't care about nothing when she gets on the phone she starts to with the, with the prank caller the serial killer he's saying vile things at first she's all tough talk and razzing them jazzing them and then he crosses a line where she goes whoa 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 that's not cool yeah. like you just creeped me out and then he stops jabbering very calmly he goes i'm going to kill you yeah. that is like a terrifying moment it is it is and and this is also a movie where if you base on the logic movie the villain wins at the end like this is this is there's no final girl. You think there's a final girl, but based well, on there the logic, final girl. Yeah, but based on the logic of the movie and how the movie ends, you're assuming that she she dies. Oh, um, I mean, yeah. It's I don't even think it's an assumption. They abandon. I mean, they abandon her. It's yeah. a it's a very it's I, I keep calling it the time bandits. Yeah, you know, where it's just a very <laughs> weird surreal ending yeah. to a movie. And we have John Saxon here. Yes, which it was supposed to be Edmund O'Brien. Yeah, and, and he showed up, and he was they he was suffering from Alzheimer's, yeah. and I don't think they really realized it at the time. And he came; he was going to play the the detective, and he just couldn't do it. They realized very quickly he's not up to this task. And also, Bob Clark was thinking like, "Hey, man, because I think they interviewed him in Florida. He's like, we're going to do this in the cold. I can't put an old man like this." And Edmund yeah. O'Brien, like, we like him. We've talked to him when we the hitchhiker, and then the. The girls, the girls, all the girl, that. The girl can't help the it. The girl can't help it. Um, he, legs. <laughs> um, he was a great character actor. He was. It, it would be interesting. It's just such a change yeah. from him to John Saxon. Yeah. It would be interesting to if there was a universe where you could go see it and then see a double feature and see Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. Yeah. But, but yeah, John <laughs> Saxon is in it. We have um, Olivia... Hussie, who's he? Oh, she's, yeah. you know, Dean Martin's uh, daughter-in-law for a while. Just know. dishy. She's yeah. beautiful. Andrea Martin, yeah. who it was supposed to be um, Saturday Night Live. Uh, Gilda Radner. It was supposed to be Gilda Radner, and then Gilda Radner got Saturday Night Live. Yeah. That's what happened there. And, and interesting, Andrea Martin is the only person ever to return in any of these remakes. 
the only actor who returned to it being the remakes. In fact, I her. think in one of the remakes she plays Miss Mac. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I can totally see it. She's she's great. She's she's a great comedic actress. She's and she's good in this. She is one of the I I I kind of look you know because you look as they introduce yeah. they do the character sort yeah. of. It's a Christmas party at a sorority house. And they're doing that that sequence yeah. where you're introducing the characters. It's doing a nice little job where you kind of figure out everybody's sort of role. And she's sort of like a steady influence yeah. who doesn't take any crap because she's the only one who will back Barb down. Yeah. Because Barb is sort of like she's I, you get get the feeling she's a little older. She's really mean to Claire, who's a young girl in this sorority, probably like, you know, a freshman. Barb's a senior. And she's drunk and she's really rude to Claire Mean because Claire's dating a townie, we find yeah. out. And um, but Phil and Phyllis, Andrea Martin's characters, is the only one who will kind of call Barb and be and be like, cool it. Yeah. So they're they're on they they have you see this point of view shot at the very beginning, and our Billy gets into the house, like during this party. <laughs> okay. This is this is a question I have. So, they've been it, the, the the calls don't start tonight. The calls have been coming. Yeah. So that leads us to believe we have to believe this dude's been calling the house from elsewhere, and now tonight he's decided I'm going to show up, climb into their attic, right? Is yeah. that? And kinda, I th- and I and also the assumption based on this logic is that since he's he's called, he's also killed other people besides this thirteen year old. Because part of the logic is he kills someone and then he calls a sorority house. He kills someone and he calls the sorority house. And so, um, and I think like you could look it up. I think there's some history of what they base this on. One is that myth of like. A kid, well, sorry. There's two things. One is that standard babysitter and someone in the house folklore. And then two, there was a string of murders that took place in Montreal at the time. Well, like a 14-year-old killed his family. And the original screenplay was with younger. It was more based on that. And then when Bob Clark got it, they they ended up rewriting it. Yeah. And he said he wanted he's, he he didn't feel that young people were portrayed realistically. So that was one of the things he wanted to do. I personally think it was a good choice. He wanted to make it a little older and make them more a little more realistic. Which I mean, they are. I mean, college age students, especially in that time, yeah. were. You know, probably giving kids booze. Yeah, <laughs> drinking, partying. They're off know, to when school. I was growing up, it wasn't as frowned upon. <laughs> like you just thought it was funny. Like, oh, they want to drink a little booze, and you drink a little beer, and you go, ah, why? Why do they drink that? I want to drink Kool Aid. And this is also, uh, you know, as a a proto slasher is one of the original ones where we get into it right off, like right at the very beginning. Twelve minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Twelve minutes in, Claire gets killed. Yeah. Because the the killer goes up into the attic, he pulls the hatch, and yeah. goes down into the house. Claire is going away for the holidays, and she gets killed in her room. And I, I marked it. It's 12 minutes in. We get our first kill. And he suffocates her. It's a horrible, horrible scene. Jesus. And, yeah, I know. And, and it's contrasted by downstairs. Everybody's celebrating. Yeah. And they're, <laughs> they're giving Mrs., Mrs. Mack... It was just a booze hound. They're giving her a, like a negligee, like a nightgown it's or something. It's a negligee or is like a, like a house gown or something. Yeah, and, and they're saying put it on, and she and she's going, oh, girls, girls. And what's great is later she's just she hates these young women she's supposed to be watching, and she talks about like wear that. She's just talking about how much she hates this gown they gave her. Which I mean, you know, if you get a bad gift, but yeah, it's just great. She's just such a. Oh my gosh! Angry drunk old. Yeah, yeah, she's awesome. I she love is. it. I think it's hilarious. And then so Billy stages Claire up in the attic in almost like a psycho, where he's putting her in a rocking chair in front of the window, and he puts and he refers to her now as Agnes. So that's why, you know, there's 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 no character call out for Billy because in fact it was Bob Clark, Nick Mancuso, and I think the. Like one other was a director of photography. Like they all like they all stepped in for Billy's role at like Bob Clark did some of the dialogue. Nick Mancuso did some of the dialogue that was looped in afterwards. When when you hear all the horrible languages being said out on these prank calls, when they actually filmed it, Bob Clark, although acting like a prank call and acting jerky and saying mean things, did not get as explicit as what they actually looped back in. It is it is explicit. <laughs> And their reactions are great. Yeah. Because, you know, you think that they're actually hearing these 
foul things. Yeah. Um, so the next day, since Claire was supposed to leave, her dad, played by uh, James Edmund, he looks like Les Nessman from WKRP in Cincinnati. <laughs> See, I kept thinking Frank Oz. <laughs> he looks like both these guys. Yeah. He shows up and he's lost. And, you know, this is the 70s. We don't have cell phones. We have one usually line for a house where you call and leave a message. And he's sitting up This is up the unusual they, usual house where you have, it's a sorority house, yeah. so they have two lines. Yeah. Oh, and that's another thing. Um, phones were in the house. You didn't take them out. Yeah. They were large, heavy <laughs> objects. <laughs> and you still, like, you got by communicating through letters and phone calls. So he was supposed to meet his daughter at, like, 1.30 in, I think, the University Square. And so he... Um, Gets pegged with a snowball. Yeah. Some kids. And then a dude comes over. I, I'm guessing he's like the bus driver. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm supposed, you know, I should have been kept keeping a better eye on the kids. And he's like, yes, you should have. He's like really endearing, you know, because at first this guy comes off just, he's just comes off as that snooty rich dad. Well, I think he's, I mean, I think he's also where he sends his daughter off to college and it's of that generation where, you know, he was no doubt a war baby and his daughter is a, a baby boomer, her generation. And is one of the big generate, like there is a huge divide between those generations. And he goes off and he realizes, like, this is what I'm spending my money on? <laughs> well, he says, I, I didn't send my daughter to college to drink and pick up boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but a, a young man, is it is it um, Chris or is it? Peter, he's not, it, no, he's like he's he ends up being nobody, nobody, long yeah. hair dude, yeah, in a fur he's coat. a nice guy who helps him and then says, you know, yeah, I know that's our sister, sorry, yeah, you know, you got to go over there, yeah, and so he goes over there and Miss Mac kind of gives him a tour of his daughter's room. He's like, she was supposed to meet me here, and everybody's like, well, she left. And he's like, well, that's strange. Everything's here. Everything's her here. luggage is here. Everything's here. He, and he's not very happy with the decorations. There's of the her poster. Room. The poster of a granny like, giving the well, finger. Peace sign of people having sex and everything. And like Miss Mac tries to cover and, up. And and she's like she's a hoot. <laughs> yeah. she, she's like she's a good girl. Yeah. Like, I mean, I will say for being just a drunk weird old lady, like she does try to take up for the for Claire in yeah. that moment. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then she catches a ride off. She goes, oh, I. I can show you where that is. I have to go there if you could give me a ride. He goes, I know where it is, yeah. <laughs> but I'll give you a ride. But he ends up hanging around for a while. He like, does. Because he he's back there at dinner time later on. <laughs> and I got to just, the, a, a point of humor that cracks me up is she's she's looking for her cat she, as they're getting ready to leave. And she's sitting on the stairs just swearing. Miss Mac yeah. is just, just swearing about her cat, calling it like a son of a bitch. You know, like all these things. And as she's doing it, all of a sudden, Mr. Harrison comes peeking up over the, the banister, looking at her, catching her, just being vulgar and foul. And she goes, oh. <laughs> and when he walks away, she just flips him off. Yeah. <laughs> like she's she's body. Is a good word for it. And then we, we jump towards, you know, one of the main plots is Jess and her boyfriend, Peter, who's, I guess, going to college for piano. He's a piano. I think he's, like, well past. I think he's, like, he's been living in the conservatory yeah. for, like, eight years or something. That's and, so. And the, here's one. Here's interesting. So how do you say Kier's name? Kier, I think it's Kier Dulay. And, like, Bob Clark saw him he's david bowman for 2001 in space 2001 one of the yeah i i mean he has one of the most iconic like between him and hal they have one of the most like iconic lines in film history i think it's probably the top 100 but um uh most of the ladies in this are playing college age or in their mid-20s he in this movie is in his mid to late 30s He's, he's sizably older, but he has a very, you know, young look to him, everything like that. Yeah. Um, and but he fits the role well. He does. And Jess, and, harsh. Jess and Peter, you know, um, they're having a very serious conversation for this type of movie. And Bob says, I was just trying to figure out, like, conversation for them to have to, like, he goes, it doesn't really serve any purpose. But I'm like, well, why'd you choose that conversation? Because he's like, Jess is like, I'm, I'm I'm pregnant. <laughs> I, I, I just I got to think of a conversation. What kind of conversation would people have? I'm having an abortion. Yeah. All right. So that's it's it's like an improv troupe. Like yell out some things, some conversations. Yeah, exactly. I'm having an abortion. It's what? Like you just brought this whole audience down. <laughs> like, is that the discussion? But I think well, he's just and he's awful. I mean, he really yeah. is because he's very manipulative. He's going. You're being so selfish. Ah, uh, exactly. I, 
and she and she's saying I, i'm trying to she does a great job of being the mature person in this situation throughout the movie because she's saying i want to have a conversation because he's saying and then he decides i'm gonna give up my life yeah. at this conservatory and, and we're gonna get married he does not know how to have a relationship no. He knows how to control things, and he wants to control her, and she won't have it. No, and, and it's it's such a strange. And when you think of a Christmas movie, it's like, man, this is kind of heavy. And even for a slash movie, as a background dialogue, like you know, this is very heavy considering <laughs> yeah. this is a movie about a psycho in the attic sneaking down and murdering people. <laughs> like that's the heavy part. <laughs> and then you're back, like uh, you know, and so we jump to this very we, serious role. Well, and we do get our next phone call. Is it the next phone call? Yeah, right that's I, that's in my notes. Well, I well don't we have? Don't we jump to Barb and Santa um, taking photos with a bunch of kids or doing like some volunteers, like some warriors after the call? Is it before or after the call? That I'm okay. Because uh, it's, it's not an important scene. I just like the fact that they're completely oh, yeah, blitzed. Go, go ahead. And they're. There, I think it's you know sororities just like fraternities are supposed to do volunteer work, and I think they're hosting a Christmas party for a bunch of kids, and Barb is getting a kid drunk, and they're, the language they're using in front of these kids, and no one seems to matter. It's that. It's just awful. Anyways, it's a small scene because you're right. We get the next phone call. Yeah. Yeah. So because and- Claire's died, he cleared Claire, so he has to call back to sorority. And Jess, Jess gets this one. Yeah. So you know, it's just more of the gibbering, foul stuff. She's and she's and she goes, I, "We gotta, you know, this isn't cool." Yeah. But she's also, we gotta go to the cops about Claire. And I will say, it it hasn't even been twenty four hours. Yeah. And she's an adult. You know, this is. It, it seems you know, everybody's kind of jumping the gun a little bit. Although the evidence might look yeah. that way, but we get to encounter. Officer Nass, Sergeant. Yeah. This guy made Sergeant, yeah. and he's just more comic relief. He's a complete doofus who who says what I I think a lot of people would say. You know, in most cases, probably ran off with a boy. Yeah, he's off with his, with a guy. That's yeah. that's it. It's Christmas it's, break. If you're in college. You're an adult. And this is when when Barb does she she uses tells him the extension of fellatio. Uh, is this is this the phone thing like back in the day when it was F E. Yeah, when you, it, it, that's it was, what it was, it right? Was, yeah. Because I, I, a couple of times, like later in the movie, they almost make it sound yeah. like it was supposed to be something for the sorority, but no, it was the phone number. Like back in the day, it was like, you know, we're. And it's it's a Bob Clark trope for every movies to get an adult to say a bad word or something like that. Like you see it all all his movies. This is like one of his jokes that he thinks it's funny. what a child. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, when there were extensions, you know, FV five thirty seven, you know, that's what it was. But she, Barb, gets Nash to write down that it's fellatio. Yeah. And she just, she's she just thinks, tickled. She thinks she's the funniest thing in the world. Oh, God. She kind of is. I, <laughs> she's, I don't know. I, Barb adds a, a I will say, Margot Kidder in this, I crush on her hard. Yeah. There's something about her. That's the story sister you want to hang out with. I'm not sure if I want to hang out with Jess. <laughs> no, I really like her. She's just getting a little screamy at yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say, back to that phone call, one... One thing that's really gets unsettling about these calls is because it's the dialogue, of course, is looped in afterwards. Is that the killer is speaking gibberish, but he's speaking in layered voices, and it's really off-putting because you're sound like, is there more than one person? You realize, like, no, there's one person, and he's just speaking in multiple from oh, one word to the next. It's a it, it, all of a sudden, it's a woman. Yep, yelling, Barry, Barry. Yep. It's you no know, the voices; those alone, like if you're doing like a haunted house or something, I would isolate those phone calls okay. and just have them in a dark room. Yeah, but Claire decides. Well, if no, Claire, she, Claire's gone. Oh, thank you, thank yeah. you. Uh, Jess decides. Well, oh, if she ran away with a guy, yeah. it would have to be Chris. Yeah. So she goes to find Chris, and we're in Canada, so he's got to be playing hockey. He's got to play hockey. And, and I kind of love just, just seeing the, the protective. He's a boot town. The, the 
quote unquote protective gear yeah. he has on because he's a goalie and he's just got the mask that yeah. you, yeah, I guess you'd wear in 1974 <laughs> like that's not going to protect you bro yeah and Chris is played by what the actor Art Hindle who made like a lot of movies he was in a David Cronenberg movie yeah he did he, a he lot was, of I think he was the brood yeah and, and Bob Clark had him in a lot of his movies I don't think he was in Christmas Story but he has other movies like Deranged that came after this and he was in Porky's you know but it's it's a good guy to know yeah because he is a townie therefore he knows the cop he just barges right into yeah, the police station and tells nash you're an idiot what the hell's wrong with you and it's pretty awesome yeah. because nash is just shining everybody on but then this guy basically is like you know i grew up with you i know everybody knows you're an idiot i have no problem telling you what are you gonna do <laughs> And Meanwhile, so, John Saxon is. Uh, <laughs> and so oh, now, oh, we for, forgot Peter. Peter, you know, like. Well, oh, that's the next thing. Peter has his Pe- performance. Okay. Yeah. Because sometimes take, what happens is the movie does jump back and forth between scenes. So Peter's at a performance, and he, he's still, you know, this discussion you have with Jess. He this is so overwhelmed him that like his audition is a little out of control. So we're throwing out a red herring. We're like, you know what? Uh, Peter, there's a strong possibility this guy might be the killer. Like, hint, hint, look, he can't handle things. He's violent. Angry. You know? Angry. And, and that's one of the things that, that they do with the with the character, I think, is nice, is he basically says, do you know how big, you know how important yeah. this thing is to me? She's telling him about her situation, and he makes it about him. And then he does. And you, and, and you uh, I wouldn't know if he's playing poorly or not, but they cut to the people who are watching and they're just doing those faces like, mm, mm, he hit that a little off. Mm, that, that was a flat, that was a flat minor. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, he's bottoming out. He's, yeah. he's screwing it. But it, it just was so telling of the character that he, he made it about, everything's about him. Yeah. And this is also, so one point is that when Chris and Jess were at the police station, what gets discussed is that they found a body in the park of a 13-year-old. And that's why John Saxon is like, wait a no, second. No, they don't find it yet. Oh, that's right. The, the mother comes we, in. She yes, says, the mother. Like, that's in she's that. like, hey, my 13-year-old daughter Janice has disappeared. Yeah. And, and, and what, you kind of, and it's John Saxon's it, introduction. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but you at, at the time, when you first watch it, you just kind of think, oh, whatever. This is, inter-, but it is important down the road yeah just like uh you know because john john saxon is sort of like a caretaker <laughs> of the community but I, I think i forgot to i don't know if i told you the beer moments but yeah but, yeah. well they're drinking constantly through this movie at least barb and her boyfriend miss mac i mean but half, I, half the half the the cast is like heavily inebriated but i mean honestly isn't that kind of how the holidays are for a yeah, lot of people yeah, there's just like yeah. Alcohol flowing. Non-stop. Trying but, to think what was our common alcohol drink. But this would do well at a Christmas time. Yeah, oh, the cherry, cheers, which man. usually I associate cherries with around Christmas time. Thanksgiving, like I, I, cherry is something I associate with Thanksgiving. It's Christmas a porter. Yeah. So even out here, like people are always, it, it, granted, it doesn't get this cold as, yeah. as it does in the movie. Yeah. But Christmas time, it's cooler. You know, and on our side of town, we're right by the ocean. It's cooler. You have like a nice dark porter. It's a little smoky. We have a fireplace. Put a little fire in there. Sometimes you can have it, but I can still go outside in shorts (laughs) and I don't have to scrape ice off the windshield, which I grew up doing. So, but I mean, this, yeah, this caretaker smoked porter. I like the smoke is just, just the right amount of smoke. I love the big smoke, but this is good. This one has just the right amount. And that tart cherry finish. And I'm telling you, as as mine warms, I'm getting way more of the yeah. tart. And, I, and I'm and i liking it. It's not suffering for that. Uh, thank you, Broken Timbers. Yeah. And this this Broken Timbers was established in 2020. So they're they're fairly recent. Yes, they, they're newer. They, uh, you know, 2020 was a weird year. Yeah. And yeah. I've, known, I've come across a couple of breweries that opened in 2020. And if you're still around, hats off to you because yep. that was a tough time to open tough a brewery. Time. Well, they do a good job. Um, yeah, it's a fun spot. If you're ever, I mean, if you go down off. there, yeah. you know. I think that's probably close to like your, let's see, probably Imperial Highway is probably your main avenue between. Sure. 
La Palma and Orange Sorp. Well, because you could take, like, you're in the Anaheim area on La Palma and Orange Sorp, and you could take that, and you could hit Fullerton. You go north. Yeah, I, I grew up in the area. Oh, no, and, and I'm, so I'm, I'm letting you talk because... <laughs> I'm just talking nonsense now. I'm trying to figure because I used to, like, I, I'm very familiar with La Palma and Orange Sorp. Yeah. So they're right around the... They're, they ran parallel to uh, San Ana Canyon Road, which is where I, I grew up on. Okay. Yeah, uh, that is your space, so yeah. I'm going to let you talk. I know, like in my head, I can visualize it, but if you just told me right now, drive to this place and you get nothing, I mean, at least give me a Thomas Guide. I can still use a Thomas Guide. <laughs> but this, yeah, I dig this beer. I'm glad, and, I, and you know what? When I, I'll be honest, when I picked this beer, didn't know what I was going to pair it with. It just kind of happened. I thought this, yeah. and this came together. Yeah. Like this came yeah. together nicely. We have we have some different caretakers yeah. and some different ways of caretaking. Yes, we have, <laughs> you know, Mrs. Mack is just drunk. Just let them do what they want to do. Yep, and and we have Lieutenant Fuller, yeah. John Saxon, who's you know very determined. Yeah. He does, and you know what? It's interesting because almost uh, it was night. It was Nightmare on Elm Street eighty four, eighty five. Because he played another a cop in yeah. that in a slasher, he played the father yeah. in that. So, yeah, he's he's definitely. I know he had a, he had an interesting career. He did, he did, and he was in a lot of slasher and horror movies and like that. And karate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we're now at dinner time, and Mister Harrison, Claire's dad, is still around. So he arrived in the, like early morning afternoon, and he's still there. Miss Mac is like, "Let's." He's there for his daughter. Yeah, I can exactly. totally understand. Yeah, and Barb makes a complete ass. Of this it. is where I'm like, oh, "Come on." She's yeah. all, but this is also where Phyllis shows she's not just you know some quiet wallflower because Barb is drunk, and she's at, again being like self pitying. Everybody thinks it's my fault because I was mean to Claire, and she's just talking about what is it, turtles. Yeah, like turtles have turtles that have, have sex, sex for, for three, three days. days. Yeah. I'm like, I I don't even know if that's a thing. Yeah. But she's just she's just acting inappropriately. Miss Mrs. Mrs. Mac can't yeah. get her under control, and then finally Phyllis just says, "Barb, you're drunk. Shut up. Go to yeah. bed." Yeah. And that you see, it just snaps her out of it. So Phyllis has a little more power. Yeah, and so Barb goes upstairs. Um, this is when Chris and Jess show up and say, "Hey, like." Not only is Claire missing, but we heard at the police station another girl is missing. And this is where things like get like people are moving around and people aren't people aren't we keeping get, track of where people are going. Miss Max is like, hey, I'm just letting them know I'm going to my sister. I'm leaving. And, and Peter tr- is trashing a piano. Yeah, <laughs> he ta- he takes like this big thing to a grand piano and trashes it. I mean, I'm just saying like in that because we're kind of jumping around a little bit, and it's again. I think that's supposed to make us think, oh, this guy's off his nut. He, he's the killer. Yeah. It's a bad red herring. Yeah. Because we know Peter wasn't in the attic. He's not in the attic. Because yeah. Miss Mac is trying to pack and get out of town. She hears a sound from the attic. And she thinks it's her cat. Yeah. And she's like. And what's up with the hook, bro? Yeah. There's like this weird pulley hook system. So here's. So. Do you have any. I do. So. Um, let's hear it. Okay. So when you had houses like tall Victorian houses that had small stairwells, you could not move furniture up. So what you would do is you'd have a hook that came out the front and you'd move furniture up through large windows. There's no large window in that. I attic. know, but that's the only thing I'm thinking. Like The only reason I could think a hook is in the attic was for that original purpose. See, my head was going the same kind of area. And did you, did you look that up? Um, I was told that on a tour before. <laughs> Were you dressed up in Victorian garb? I wish I was. You can be honest. You're okay. I had my derby on. (laughs) I say. My walking cane. (laughs) No, I mean, that's what, because it is, it is a pretty heavy duty hook. It looks like something you'd see on a ship. And I was in the attic. Yeah. And I I went the little, the little hatch that people go up. I go, there's nothing going to fit through there. And the window that Claire yeah. is in, which again, they, they do a couple of shots and it's just, it's a very disturbing shot of Claire yeah. sitting in a rocking chair yeah. with plastic yeah. around her head. She's dead. Once in a while, the, the killer will yeah. go over there and push her yeah. and like speak gibberish at her. Yeah, call, refer to her as Agnes. 
It's yeah, it's weird. Really upsetting. So second one down the house, Miss Mac is now the hook. She gets a hook right underneath her chin. Yeah, she goes up and she yeah. gets it. She gets that hook. Scream, laugh, scream, and then they cut away and she's still screaming. Yeah. I'm like, wait, I think that hook would have ended the screaming. Well, also, like no one hears that. Even the cabbie outside is really, uh, really put <laughs> off. Like this. Fares not showing. We're not. We're not Uber lift times. No, got this, this, it's like this New York cab. He gets all these bang on the road. Like, hey, hey! It's like, wait, dude, what? Yeah. <laughs> Angrily, aggressively doing this. So, so he, he called. So he killed Miss Max. So later on, he's gonna have to call back the house. But before that, we're all sudden we jump to the search of like looking for for Janice for Janice, a thirteen-year-old. Um, Her mom said she walked through this park, and of course, Jess. Phyllis and Mr. Harrison yeah. are there, yeah. and it is—it's—it's it's a terrible moment, but it's—it's—it's yeah. it's, it's somewhat touching when they finally some there's a woman screaming. They find the body, yeah. and Mr. Harrison's walking over, and he's thinking this is going to be Claire, yeah. and he gets there, and you see, oh God, it's not Claire, and then Janice's mom comes running yeah. up, and he sort of holds her, yeah, you know, and it is—it's—it is kind of a yeah. touching moment, like two two parents who are just like. I can't. I can't imagine yeah, that. Horrible situation. Just despair yeah. and awfulness, and there's got to be some weird feeling of relief. But oh my god, you know, I might be feeling like her soon. Yeah. It's just terrible. And so Jess heads back to the house, and of course, killed Miss Max. So a phone call comes in, and there's also like they, we see a, a, a somebody lurking. There's a lot of lurking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Peter, but <laughs> and I love the fact that. Yeah, I let myself in. Yeah. Just let myself in to go grab some Z's up in your bed. Because <laughs> she's feeling, yeah, she feels the call. Because you get a jump scare. She calls, you know, she feels a call, and then she finally says, I need to call the police department. Of course, they get a hold, they get a, he gets, she gets a hold of, like, the numbskull Sergeant Nash. <laughs> but then Peter's a jump scare, and this is where you're like, okay, they're hinting that Peter is this person. Because all of a sudden, Peter's in the house, and like you said, Really strange situation while he's in the house. Yeah. So, so you don't want me to wait out in the cold. Yeah. So I went and slept up in your bed. Yeah. Let's talk. I've got a plan. <laughs> this is what he does. And I, I love it. He, he can't have a conversation. He can only sort of dictate. Because he tells her, here's the deal, man. I'm quitting the conservatory. I'm, I think he says eight years. Yeah. I've been sitting eight years waiting for all this jibber-jabber, whatever. And, you know, I'm going to quit. And... You know, you're not going to have an abortion. We're going to get married. And she goes, ah, that's, you know, hey, you remember when we met? We had dreams. Yeah. I haven't met my dreams. I'm going to keep doing that. And and he's like, well, well, well. And then she finally <laughs> says, hey, also, by the way, I don't want to marry you. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you can see just a rage. He does a great job just displaying that because he says, I'll be damned if I'm going to let you have an abortion. And this is a pivotal scene, too, because when Jess is talking with Sergeant Nash, we jump to the police station, and Mr. Harrison is listening to this discussion. And it also turns out that, like, Phil and Chris are there, too. And they're like, you idiot. And so they go directly to John Sachs and Lieutenant Fuller and are like, listen, this guy's, like, you have two missing people. You have someone calling the sorority where one of the person missing with obscene phone calls. Take this seriously. And, and, you know, Lieutenant Fuller, like, scolds Nash. He's like, listen, dude, like, do your job. What's the matter with, what's the matter with you? Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I always see him as, like, as Bosch. It's like, man, do your job. Yeah. <laughs> when Bosch would tell other police officers, like, do your job. <laughs> oh, anyway, where are we? <laughs> Oh, uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, so Phil, uh, well, I think, okay, so we ha- have the scene. We have that. Oh, Pete, well, Peter, when Peter storms out. Yeah. Yeah. Peter, their argument, like Jess is doing such a great job of being an adult. And, and it's clear he's older than her. Yeah. But he just, he finally storms out as he's leaving. Lieutenant Fuller is walking in and you see John Saxon just take note of this man wearing only a turtleneck. Yeah. And it's freezing winter outside, and he just blows by them, and he goes, "Well, oh, you know, what's up with this guy?" And he brings in a guy who the phone from the phone company, whose name is Graham, Graham. as in <laughs> Alexander Graham Bell, who was yeah. also in a David Cronenberg movie. He was oh. in Videodrome. Oh. Oh. So, anyway, Canadian connection. Yeah. Yeah. 
So they put a tap on the phone, but not on Miss Mac. Miss Mac has a separate line. They're like, there's no obscene calls coming from there. I'm like, big mistake. <laughs> like, <laughs> big wait, mistake. Like, wait, couldn't you actually just... You're put, there, man. Like, but yeah, could, <laughs> couldn't you put a tap on like an outside thing that just traces every call that comes to this house? Right? I mean, <laughs> why does it have to be just on this one line? Yeah. We have multiple lines. Yeah. And he tells, he does tell... Um, Graham does say, hey, if the call's back, keep him on the line as long as possible. And Fuller also is like, I'm going to station a, you know, a squad car outside too. Because Fuller is like, something's going on. And I need to get my arms around this before this becomes like a giant media circus where like there's a bunch of sorority sisters dead. Yeah. And meanwhile, <laughs> and unbeknownst, the, to, unbeknownst to them, there's like two dead already in that house. <laughs> and me, and meanwhile, the, the killer is like sneaking out of the, yeah. the attic. Yeah. <laughs> really, really creepy. <laughs> and Barb Barb has the cheap scare of the asthma attack. Yeah, and you, you're at the. I mean, they're at, at this point. Every time they cut to anybody, yeah. you're sort of thinking, "Ugh, they're gonna get it. Yeah. They're gonna get it." And especially, I think if you saw this at the time, because now we're thinking, "Oh, yeah. it's a slasher movie." Yeah. Jess is the final girl. Like with all of our history, you watch this movie, you go, "That's the final girl." Yeah, that's, exactly. You, that's not gonna. But at the time when this is coming out, yeah. and you went to this, you're probably just thinking, "Jesus, everybody's yeah. gonna get it." Yeah, because there's a bunch of jump scares because the killer is in that room with Barb when she's an asthma attack, and the killer's like, "I'm gonna hold back." Jess runs in with an inhaler, settles stuff down, <laughs> and then uh, Jess takes a nice little break when the carolers come. Yeah, and and I, and I love there's a whole bunch of this at, because when the carolers come, and there's a whole bunch of this where people go. A, a little girl a girl was murdered in the park yeah because a woman herds the kids back to a car and she goes there was a girl murdered in the park there's a lot of that a lot of people say this there's there's a, a girl murdered in the and park. barb the killer comes back and kills Ooh, barb boy. With like is it a unicorn ornament yeah <laughs> oh jeez what the hell bud <laughs> and there's a search party the search party guys what the hell is that all about? Yeah. They, they, Barb and Phyllis are sitting, and there's a great little moment where Barb and Phyllis are sitting talking, and in the background, yeah. there's just this great shadow. It's the killer. Yeah, you just see it's like again the shadows in this one of, of movement just really sort of create this. I'd love to see this in a big in a theater because it just really kind of gets under your skin. This picture, and since the killer has now dispatched Barb, he has to call the house. And now he calls, and this should be inclination to Jess. He's in the house because he repeats a piece of conversation about that Peter and Jess just had. And also it's indicator again, like Red Herring, maybe Peter, since he was part of this conversation, is the killer. Okay, I have to ask you, did you do any research into how... They trace that flipping call well, because, I, because that 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 was is one of the most mind melting. It's like running through oh the giant house, like falling. Like when you say trace a call, like it looks like he's falling a wire through. He's running a. I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. it. It's just this huge room with banks of wires, and this dude is just running around. I can only. It's. I imagine it's every line in the freaking county. I mean, I have no idea. I have no idea how accurate that is. I have no idea how he would do it. He ends up tracing it. But yeah. when Graham trying to trace that yeah. call... Just, it's literally I mean, like a trace. Like I'm running down a wire across this giant... Where I, it's ringing here, yeah, and yeah. what am I supposed to do? Like yeah. find like a ring somewhere, like an acre that way. Yeah. Who the hell knows? I don't get it. It's yeah. like, But it's fascinating. Yeah, I don't think that's how they... Maybe, I mean, I, I think in one of our episodes, we talk about how Trace Nicole is like not what we think it is, and I forgot the details. But this no. is... If this is accurate, yeah. you know... Ugh. I, I pity the person who has to do it. <laughs> but what's interesting is Jess picks up on that conversation, and she's now sure, like, I think Peter might be the killer. And um, Well, and also Fuller yeah. picks up on her reaction, and he kind of wants to know. He goes, hey, what's going on? Yeah. What's going on? You you something, something happened there. Yeah. And then Peter calls, and he's a blubbering mess. Yeah, it's like, don't kill the baby. And he sounds a little bit like exact the killer. Exact caller, yeah. So you're like, hey, Peter. Like, at this point, 
you know, not having the history of horror movies, slash movies behind us, you're like, Peter's probably the killer. And even Fuller is like, I think this guy might be like the killer. <laughs> but then Jess realized, like, wait a second. Oh, I forgot what's going Have on. a sip of your pour. Yeah. How about that, huh? <laughs> Clear my thought for a Cheer, second. Cheers, cheers again, buddy. Um, caretaker. Thank you, Broken yeah. Timbers. This is this is a good beer. Yeah. Um, nice, good, dark porter, smoky. It is. It's yeah. it's Christmassy. Yeah. Just sit there, watch your kids open some presents, yeah. open a present yourself, and go, ah, it's nice <laughs> of you to buy me whiskey. I was, I, I, I had this I had this spell. I had this certain time where a time in my life where it was every gift I got was whiskey, and I and it made me th- sort of go. Oh, and that's how I'm viewed, huh? I'm the guy you buy whiskey for, and I didn't mind. It was great. But you know what I mean? It's like if people just keep buying you hats. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I guess I'm the hat guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was just getting whiskey left and right. <laughs> And it made me think, ah, yeah, I guess I like whiskey. Yeah. So now, you know, hey, if you want to get me a gift, get me a beer. There, there you go. I Cheers. like a good beer. And I do like whiskey. Yeah. But, but yeah. The, it doesn't. This, this is an exceptional. Yeah. And it ties well with the movie. So It really does. Like, I could see Barb. Getting Knocking little, down get, these. Oh, uh, she'd have to have a sidecar of whiskey or yeah. something. Because, okay. you know, it's only 6'2". <laughs> I think it's like, it's a, it's not that powerful. Yeah. You know, although, it's no sherry. <laughs> boy, I just can't. I can't imagine getting drunk on sherry. No sherry. You know, yeah, it's not. It's not the. And I always think of sherry as being separate from wine, but it is a type of fortified wine. It's just, just, just <laughs> that's depressing. That's that's just you're drinking alone in a dark room. <laughs> I like her, but I just like that Miss Mac had all these little bottles. It's the same brand. It's not like different cherries. Like she became like I'm brand aware, and I'm this that is the sherry I like. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> that guy. I need a case because yeah. I hide them throughout the house <laughs> exactly. for holiday times. <laughs> so, it's like the guy, the friend you know, where you go like Kevin is strictly a Miller Lite guy. Yeah, <laughs> don't even offer him a Bud Light. He's a Miller Lite guy. Kevin, like Mrs. Mac is a sherry. Yeah. So then, um, poor Phyllis. Yeah. Phyllis gets it. Yeah. She goes to check on Barb, and the door closes. We kind of know that's over for her. Yeah. And then the killer calls from that room, and he's yelling and gibbering yeah. and screaming. And that's, I, again, I, I just think <laughs> it's just on the next floor. Yeah. Just, you can't hear, you can't hear the person right upstairs screaming. <laughs> yeah. And it's that's a, that's the strange shot, too, where, like, you know, Barb and Phil... Phyllis are in the same bed. They and then Jess from the crack in the door. She sees a killer eye watching there. And oh just, wait, you for, you skipped the part because they do call her. They they, they after yeah because that's they, they right get the trace. That, so so go go from there. No, no you take it. You take oh. it. I'm looking. But, at how I but wrote this my notes in. this time he gibbers and jabbers enough that Graham gets the trace, yeah. and he says it comes from here. It comes from here. and they basically find out the call is coming from, from the inside house. the house. <laughs> <laughs> it precedes. You know, when the stranger calls, when it, it precedes when a stranger calls. Was and, it Carol Kane? In, is it Carol yeah. Kane now? She's, and, and she was uh, just Charles in Durning. Yeah, Carol Kane was just in. Uh, um, She's great. Strange Worlds, a new Star Trek <laughs> series. <laughs> so, Lieutenant Fuller calls Nash and says, "Nash, you know, which I I gotta tell you." Why is he having this guy do it? I know. <laughs> I know. And he says, call the house, tell her yeah. very calmly, hang up the phone, walk the hell out of that house. And Nash does, and he, I, I have to say, he does actually do it at first. She does the typical final girl crap where she goes, okay, I'm going to go get my friends. Go, no, 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 Get out. Yeah. That's what did I just tell you? And like, it's that point I want to crawl through the television and slap her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have you ever, have you seen Marianne? It's a it's a new it was a 2019 limited horror series. I don't think I have. You so might have told me about they, it. They oh. deal with a, a call like this, you know, updated call where the security goes off and the call comes in. No one picks up and they're like, "Hey, this is so and so security. We're getting a call that your alarm's going off." She's like, "Okay." He's like, "Why don't you walk into the living room?" And all of a sudden, you, you realize, yeah, you yeah. realize like this is not like how's that person know where the living room's at? You realize yeah. it's the killer. <laughs> Yes. So, anyways, if we have we have updated versions of this now for our modern horror, where you know you have cell phones and security firms. 
So Jess, of course, disregards all that. Yeah. She just and and she starts yelling for her friends, and then and then she takes it upon herself. She goes, "Huh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to grab an andiron and I'm going to go sort this out myself." <laughs> Makes no sense whatsoever. So then, you- so that's when you have this odd scene where. Well, also you realize too that. Um, Fuller is like, you know, contact that police officer in front of the house. And you realize, like, that police officer, his throat's been slit. <laughs> so the killer, like, came Got outside. down, went outside, slit some throat, then... Hightailed it back into the attic. Because F- Jess finds Barb and Phyllis in that... It's an eerie scene. It's creepy. Yeah. And then she realized she looks through a crack and she sees the killer's eye. <laughs> And it's almost like the the killer is trying to make her complicit, yeah. uh, like we're a team or something. Yeah. Where he's like, <laughs> yeah, it's it is one of the iconic shots in this movie. Yeah. He's talking to her about you know Billy and really upsetting, and she kicks the door or something like, and does like one of the horror horror movie tropes. She takes off running, and she's like, I can't get out the front door. No, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna run to the cellar where there's absolutely no way out. You don't run up. And you don't run down. You don't run down. <laughs> you run lateral. If you have to dive out. And and I will say, they set this up a little yeah. bit because throughout the movie early on, they, people talk about issues with the front door. Yeah. The front door is left open. The front door sticks. The front door this. The front door that. They kind of set it up. But yeah, she goes to the freaking cellar. Yeah. And then, of course, there's a creepy creep lurking around. Yeah. <laughs> banging on the windows going... Jess, Jess. And so she's like, that's the killer. That's it. <laughs> and, and it ends up being Peter, who, of course, like, kicks a window in. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it's just happenstance that puts him in that same area right after Jess had the, the killer was stopped banging on the cellar door. And so also she's like, this has to be the killer. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. I can't blame her. And And he says, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Meanwhile, cops pull up. They hear her scream because, yeah. of course, you always hear somebody in a cellar yeah. scream. <laughs> and they go and they find her. She killed. She Peter. killed Peter. She thought Peter came in through that window, and she thought that was a killer. And she took that and that fireplace, yeah, and it just killed him. <laughs> and of course, Lieutenant Fuller goes, "Case closed. Well, exactly <laughs> done." <laughs> this young woman who's passed out uh, is with a dead guy. He's the killer. I solved this shit. Yeah. Let's move on. Yep. And they, so what do they do? <laughs> well, the doctor's like, we need to give Jess a sedative, but know what? And, that, and there's like a bunch of people in the house. There's police. Um, this is a crime scene. Yeah, they, there's exactly. dead bodies. Yeah. And they, but they don't even look in the attic. Yeah. Um, you know, Mr. Harrison's also going to shock. The doctor's like, we have to get this guy out of here. You know, Chris leaves. Like, everybody's coming and going, so you're not keeping track. And all of a sudden, you realize, like, wait a second. Um, they're leaving Jess alone, <laughs> conscious in the house. <laughs> Which I love. That, that First of all, they don't take her away. They put her in her bed. Second of all, the doctor's saying, she can't be alone. I'll stay with her. Then, Mr. Harrison faints, and, and he goes, whoa, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody just bails. Well, also, so this whole And then time- we do this great pan. There's this great tracking shot where they go from Jess. Yeah. They go to each room okay. where people have been killed. And they slowly go over to the hatch to the attic. And you hear footsteps. And you hear some gibbering. And the hatch moves. And then we find out Mrs. Mac yeah. <laughs> and Claire are still yeah. up there. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, so... The, the police were able to trace the call. They're like, the call came from inside the house. And these people are still missing. So wouldn't your first thing is like, okay, we assume that the killer was inside the house this time. Let's search the house to see if we can find it. Like, Top eh, to bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Cellar attic. No way anybody's up there. there no. <laughs> Waste of time. <laughs> so then we it's a great, it, it just go, it's basically how we open the movie. Exterior shot yeah. of the house. Phone rings, yeah. and we know Jess is in there. Yeah, and the killer only calls after he's killed someone. So the assumption is Jess is dead. And the, this, there's a police officer just standing out on the porch smoking. <laughs> and and I, you know, I got, I got to say, for as much crap as Nash took in that movie, yeah. it's like when they do find her dead, and they go, "Yeah, the killer got away." Um, 
Fuller is going to have to take some. Exactly. He's going to have to eat a big bowl of poop. Because at first it seems like, oh, this guy's onto it. And he's like, eh, let's just, it seems like Peter's I knew it was this kid. Yeah. Like, he, he just basically says, I knew it was this kid. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> it was a bad that, scene. And that's the end. Yeah, that's it. Very dark. Cold. Yeah. Depressing, cold. you know, Christmas movie. <laughs> when you're talking Christmas movies. My okay. pick. Yeah. So I'm asking you, would would you recommend? That? I would. I would think for for a scary horror movie, um, this is solid, and it's also one where there's not a lot of blood and visceral guts being sprayed everywhere. Um, it's scary and frightening because you never know this killer. You have the these POV shots where, and it's just the the his dot the the approach this killer is so off putting that it just makes you uneasy the whole time. There, and, there is no blood, is yeah. there? Well, I guess the only blood is when they show Barb and Phyllis yeah. stage. Yeah, exactly. But there's no, like, when stabbing with, you know, artery yeah. spray or anything like that. So it's done really well. It's scary. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, in terms of film history, like, this is the proto slasher movie. I mean, before this, it was, like, Peeping Tom. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think there's too much. I mean, I know Texas Psycho, Psycho and that's kind of it. So this laid the ground, and I know that there's, you know, this discussion where Bob Clark, when John Carper talking about making a movie, and he's like, hey, just at Christmas, it'd be nice to do a Halloween one. And everybody's like, oh, Bob Clark deserves this thing, and Bob Clark's like, no, no, listen, like, making a movie is more than just coming up saying, yeah, you should make one, like, in Halloween time. He goes, everything is John Carpenter's, like that, yeah. so. Oh, and, and yeah, and good on Bob Clark. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> be, be, well, because, I mean, so much of what, you know, it's like, he it he would he would be within his rights in my opinion to be a little embittered, simply because everybody looks at Halloween. That's the slasher. Yeah. That is it. And you watch this movie, you go, "Whoa, it's four years before," and this is a slasher movie. Yeah, this is, it is everything about slasher yeah. movies, other than you know a bunch of nudity. Which even Halloween didn't have. Yeah. And Halloween didn't even have that much. There wasn't much gore. No, exactly. You know, it's just scary. It's it's mood. It's that shadow that just moves. You just go, ah, oh, I don't like the that. shape. Yes, exactly. So. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. The beer, Broken Timbers, awesome. Yeah. Caretaker, this, the smoke porter, tart cherry. Nice yeah. stuff. Perfect for the really. Christmas christmas uh time but like i said like you could put you could watch bob clark's like christmas movies put these back to back with christmas story you know (laughs) i I mean i I would maybe you could say you know ralphie he became so deranged from christmas that he by the time that since this he's the jibber guy he's the jibber guy (laughs) he becomes billy (laughs) i don't know maybe i think the kid who gets his tongue stuck on the yeah exactly (laughs) more likely Or Fargus. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) I think that wraps about things up. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. All right. All right. This is Beer and Beer Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael.